Now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? Shut up and sit down. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lips. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. It's Valentine's Day. Let's talk about politics. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, guys. Barstool Politics. I am your host, Nick McGuire. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Dr. Bill Muck uh, from North Central College uh, and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hi. And Hi, Nick. Hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> and we have our original super guest, Dr. Suzanne Chad, also from North Central College. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. I'm back, and I'm excited. Yay. <laughs> I like the super guest title. I just might put that on my business card. You should. I think I will. <laughs> yeah. Um... Busy, busy, weird week. A lot of, um, not a tremendous amount of stories, but a lot of depth to the stories that are there. Yes. So let's just dig, dig into it, I guess. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's Porter Day. It's Porter Day. Yeah. That's it's Valentine's. About, so domestic, let's talk about yeah, domestic, domestic violence. That's right. So <laughs> Bill and I were on the same page there. <laughs> I hadn't made that connection. That's terrible uh, that our main topic is the God. Porter scandal. I'll take that out in editing. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so should we, we should remind everybody over the last week, two White House staffers have been fired following the public airing of allegations of domestic abuse. Uh, White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter was the first to go. Now, multiple ex-wives have accused Porter of abusive behavior, uh, and while he disputes those accusations, the FBI found them credible enough to deny him a security clearance. Uh, there are pictures of one of his ex-wives with a black eye that she claims was delivered by him. Now, days later, David Sorensen, a speechwriter, was also fired after domestic abuse allegations from his ex-wife, uh, including running a car over her foot and putting out a cigarette on her hand. Who drives a car over another person's foot? That's, that's terrible. Sorensen. Yes, that's, I guess that's it. That answers the question. <laughs> so there's a couple things to look at here. I mean, one, I think the big issue is uh, President Trump, Trump's response to all this. Uh, Chief of Staff John Kelly is center and all of this and then there's this question of security clearances so uh let's let's have at it phil where do, where do you want to start well let's i mean i let's start with trump's response i guess it was it was thoughtful <laughs> i no, thought it was no. yeah I thought it was perfect, that's not a word right? we typically use. he did it, he did everything right <laughs> so here's here's what he said uh so trump publicly defended porter stating quote he did a very good job when he was in the White House, and we hope he has a wonderful career. And he will have a great career ahead of him. But it was very sad when we heard about it. And certainly, he's also very sad now. Do you think he's sad because of the he's domestic s- abuse or because he was sad. fired? Or, I don't know, everybody's sad. I mean, it was then, soon because he's fired. He's obviously <laughs> just too upset about the domestic abuse. Then he tweeted out, uh, Trump's tweet on the 10th, quote, people's lives are being shattered and destroyed by mere allegation. Some are true, some are false. Some are old, some are new. There is no recovery for someone falsely accused. Life and career are gone. Is there no such thing any longer as due process? Well, can I just stop there for a second? Because there is life after these allegations because you can be president. Right. So yeah. I'm not really sure what that's all about. 
Yeah, and so this is uh, his response. Uh, Due process Don's response follows a similar pattern to comments he's made about Roy Moore, Bill O'Reilly, Roger Ailes, and uh, Suzanne, as you note, of course, himself. So, <laughs> so, so Phil, you uh, reactions to Due Process Don? Uh, I, I mean, I have several, I have several reactions. I, I mean, I, I don't know which one to, which road to go down but i mean one of the things that stood out to me was the way when you read his response he talks so much and so many specifics about the people who were accused and the way he talks about the accusations he there's no detail at all it's always just it in fact the quote like he talks about it 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 may you know it's unfortunate it's sad or whatever um which i think is you know a, a in the in the context of all the me too stuff is is it's an interesting dynamic to look at in terms of the sort of due process thing, I, I don't. <laughs> I'll I'll make a, I don't know. I'll make I'll say something sort of controversial, I guess, and then and then we can back off of it. Um, I mean, he's not he's not wrong, and that due process is important. But it's also he is wrong in that due process does not apply to the court of public opinion, right? <laughs> yes. So if this were if this were a court case, then um, you know this sort of rush to judgment would in fact be. Uh, something to be concerned about in terms of due process. But but in politics, we make decisions about people based on general patterns of behavior that due process does not apply to. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's all very revealing about Donald Trump's worldview and how he views relationships and women and all sorts of other things. Um, so I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's it's not it's all a little sad and none of it's all that surprising, I don't think. But he's, he's fairly consistent in his reactions. Yeah. yeah. So which are are sad. Suzanne, what was your reaction? Well, what thinking about the timeline. <laughs> right. So I did my own little research about timeline. Bill went over it. So I did all that research for nothing. But that's OK. <laughs> um, but what what I think is interesting about this is it follows another pattern, which is he says stuff and then there's this sort of chaotic behind the scenes wait we have to play damage control and spin all of this and so we see his proxies going out both publicly and behind the scenes to become publicly doing all this damage control oh everyone knows he's against domestic violence everyone knows that he hates wife beaters everybody knows this so that two days later he can come out like he did today and say I'm totally opposed to domestic violence so if the job of his staff is to continually it's the analogy of like the guy that walks behind the elephant to pick up the shit mm-hmm. that's exactly what his staffers are doing and they're doing it for the same kinds of things he says something that makes no sense it's super controversial and then behind the scenes they have to say oh he didn't mean any of the things he said we know the real him and the real him hates wife beaters but the him that you see is the one that's defending all the people who are the actual wife beaters and not thinking about the women who've been affected by this so and, it's not it's sort of two ways and not surprising because this is what he does mm-hmm. and you said you were saying right before we came on the air that he he came out today and made a statement about his opposition to yeah. domestic violence right that's and that's absolutely all <laughs> totally controversial opposed, stance totally opposed now, domestic so, violence. and everybody that, knows that if the pattern holds like i think back to charlottesville and other instances in which he sort of defends and then two days later and damage control says i'm totally opposed if, if the pattern continues though in like two days time he'll get really pissed off at having <laughs> to say that he is opposed to domestic violence and say something stupid again right uh, well, yeah, especially if the, the conversation, which I, I know we're going to get to about John Kelly, if these things keep coming up about security clearance, I mean, he's not going to be able to keep his mouth shut and he's going to start saying more things that sort of 
broaden him outside the narrow topic, and then he can get in even more trouble. Well, when you think about this, what is this, the fifth day or a week, however long uh, we've been talking about seven this? Days. Seven days. Seven days. And in some ways, this speaks to an administration that doesn't know how to get ahead of a story. For sure. This should have been a two-day story. Uh, you fire him, you condemn him, you move on. Right. But be... Because of the way the administration handles these issues, mm -hmm. they live on. And you're right, Phil. Then we're just waiting for another outburst from Trump that will continue this story. Mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah, yeah. Their their ability to handle a crisis is pretty awful. It, it reminds me of the student who thinks they can get away with cheating or telling you that telling you some story that you'll you'll that you'll believe because you're not smart enough to believe it. So they don't think they have to get out ahead of it because, oh, no one's going to care about this and no one's going to believe it anyway, so we can say whatever we want. We'll lie about who knew what when. It's not like there's investigative journalists who whole, whose whole careers are based on mm -hmm. this. And then, oh, wait, we totally just got caught. Oops. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're going to get caught every single time. Every single time. Well, the fact that there were two in one week is problematic. Both the speechwriter and Rob. I mean, Rob Porter is a—that's a high-level position, mm -hmm. but that they—they they are surrounding themselves at least with two individuals who have uh, you know, allegations of domestic abuse. This is not a really well-run, fine-tuned machine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just true it, words. It never been spoken. Yes. I mean, it's remarkable. It is remarkable that two people in one week in this administration are ousted because of domestic um, yes. abuse allegations. It's also remarkable in general, I, I think, and Suzanne, you might be able to speak to this. I, the turnover in this administration in general is yes. kind of mind boggling. Yes. I mean, this is this is sort of unprecedented. I did some research about this yesterday because I was curious about the turnaround because I we the average high level staffer in administration lasts about 18 months. And that includes cabinet secretaries. It's just they burn out and they turn over and so forth. So um, if, and I think that this statistic is, is right. I know part of what I'm saying is 100% right. The other part, questionably right, but right enough. <laughs> that at this rate, the turnover that Trump has had is twice Obama's turnover in his first term. Wow. And the record before now was held by Reagan. And of the 12 highest positions in the administration that originally started, only five of them are left. That's the one I know is 100% wow. wow. true. I think the other one is like 99.9. I should have done a little fact checking. But that is, those statistics should be startling. And I think about you, Bill, every time we see another person from the State Department stepping yeah. down. Yeah. Right? The third in command, third in line. Was that Justice Department? Justice, third, Justice Department, yes, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She stepped down. The person who's going to take over once Trump fires Rosenstein. Rosenstein yes, right? exactly. So he's, he's gone. She's gone, I should say. It's, um, it's, it, this, the turnover is is startling like you said phil and then the fact that those that are still there don't have the appropriate security clearance to do the job that they need to do and take on the other jobs of the people who aren't there mm -hmm. there's so much wrong with that and it's entirely possible that within the next week the chief of staff will be fired or step down yeah. i mean he's right. he's under tremendous pressure as well yeah. you really think that'll happen I think he wants it to happen. I think he wants say, it to happen, smart, too. If he's smart, he should just go. <laughs> he's made comments. Did he make comments this week about how I'll step down if, you, if I need to? I'm willing to do that. <laughs> Somebody really, just asked me. Yeah, I really screwed up on this one. I'll go. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, the amount of turnover is like one more thing in this long list of things that would be a scandal in some other or, or would be sort of controversy in some other administration right. that somehow has just become the, the norm. Right? right. I, I remember... I feel like I remember under Obama, there was there was lots of sort of murmuring about how he had a lot of turnover and how that was indicative of, 
you know, some issue in his administration. And so the fact that it's so outrageously high and nobody, it's just kind of a, well. Well, because what Hannity's talking about instead is are the secret sperm hidden in Obama's official portrait. Did you hear about that? I this? did hear about that. That was, that was wait, 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 hold on. Did you hear about this? <laughs> what? So he took it down. There was a story that came from some like ridiculous alt-right underground website. We Is should give right? some background here. So the <laughs> <laughs> I can't just say sperm on podcast and not so give the, any this week there were uh, paintings released of both Obama and Michelle Obama. Your official White House yes. portraits. And Obama. in that picture, Obama is sitting on a chair, leaning forward, and there are Leaves and flowers all behind him. Yes, which okay. all have significance, the types yes. of flowers, right? Yeah, Hawaii and Chicago and... And uh, Kansas, no. No, uh, where are it? Kenya. Kenya, yes, yeah. Yeah. All right, so then joke, now Hannity. So, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. So then I just, to Phil's point about no one's talking about it, this is what they're talking about, is apparently there are secret sperm floating around and hidden in this portrait. Uh, and then Hannity tweeted and then took it down. But yeah. that's where we need to spend time, is talking okay. about... The types of portraits, not the fact that the current president is a complete lunatic. Yes. Well, they're not great portraits. Subjective Let's opinion. be perfectly honest. <gasps> I'm joking, I'm I honestly didn't even see them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Back on topic. I just had to throw. Well, that let's let's keep with the chief of staff Kelly and his reaction because, in some ways, I think Trump's reaction was a big story. But the deeper one seems to be John Kelly's handling all of all of this, maybe potentially causing him to step down or be fired. But. There's allegations that he has not been truthful. The timeline doesn't add up. So he came out and he seemed to suggest that as soon as he learned that uh, there were these allegations against Rob Porter, he said 40 minutes later he was gone. The reality was yesterday or Tuesday, uh, Ray from the FBI testified saying that their final report was out in January, that they had been briefing the administration multiple times, that uh, McGahn and... uh, 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 the chief of staff knew for a long period of time that this was going on, and they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they knew his clearance was on hold for this particular purpose. Right. As far back as, was it July it was on hold, I think? Something Is that like right? That, yeah. yeah. And then additional information was requested in November. It, it's all a bunch of lies. So you see a, a situation where... The chief of staff is willing to keep somebody on because it sounds like this Rob Porter was very good at his job. He was effective in the workplace. Everybody liked him. And they don't have a lot of people in the administration, to Phil's earlier point, who are competent. He was, you know, he was he was engaging in domestic abuse, but man, he could he could file some papers. Uh, and so Kelly was willing to make that trade off. And it's it speaks to the to sort of the corrupt nature of this administration. Well, my understanding is that you can have a temporary security clearance for right. up to eight years. <gasps> yeah, that's yeah. So, so a whole two I, you can have for yeah you can have a full two terms working under a temporary security clearance as they're working your you know official security clearance through the system. So I don't know if. That was given to. I would assume that was given to him. Yes, that's what Kushner has. So if that's the case, I I don't really know what else he can do. Yeah, and the security clearance issue doesn't seem to be. I mean, we we can talk about this as a separate thing, but I mean, Kushner, who doesn't have a security clearance, continues to read the the you know the presidential daily briefing so i don't know that the security clearance issue even really matters in this administration but it should though right it absolutely should it's again add another thing to that list of things that in another presidential administration (laughs) would be massively scandalous yes 
because nor- to Nick's point, normally you're right that they have these interim, these temporary uh, agreements. But the idea is that this person will ultimately get a security clearance. Ultimately, yeah, yes. within eight years. Right. But but <laughs> they get it the day before they leave. But it sounds like the FBI was telling the administration this isn't going to happen. He's not going to get it. He's not going to get cleared. Now mm-hmm. Kushner, that's a whole other question. But so if the FBI is saying to you, your only way you can keep this guy around is with these temporary security clearance, that that should be cause for concern but was it just saying like you know you just shouldn't expect it to happen or legitimately there is documentation saying that this will not happen i think they said in january yet uh christopher ray yesterday testified to the senate that there was the final report Mm -hmm. saying that he's not going to get it Mm -hmm. and so then the question is at that point what responsibility does the administration have to either move on uh replace him i guess don mcgann uh, at one point had said it's probably we should move on from him because of this and uh kelly didn't and and again the other issue is that kelly apparently held a meeting with his staffers where he suggested he told the narrative that oh i just found out about this Mm -hmm. which then those staffers immediately left and within like half an hour contacted the press to say he's lying about this we so the the whole thing is so the problem is people leaking the information is what you're saying i mean obviously that's the real so what are the the real crime here (laughs) well that's what trump would say i don't know I don't know this. I don't know if any of the three of you know. What are Phil the, probably knows. Probably. <laughs> what are the legal implications of allowing someone to work in the White House and handle the most classified material without security clearance? Apparently nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing for this White House or nothing, nothing? Nick says it can be done for eight years. Yeah, I, I, I think but, it can. But isn't that different but, if they're working on the clearance, not, no, he's right. not going to get the clearance. Is that Right. right? This has never happened in the history of our country. We don't know. Oh, right. I mean, again, you go back to the last election where, like, the handling of classified information was, you know, this sort of treasonous offense by by Hillary Clinton. And and for for the Trump administration just to have people who are not cleared for classified information, but just to be handing it to them anyway is <laughs> well, it's not like he was trying it. to destroy it. Yeah, or read it or read it. Sorry, just hand well, it over. To, to your point earlier, Phil. So we talked about so uh, Porter had this uh, temporary clearance, as does Jared Kushner. Which the Kushner thing is even I think more troubling yes. because Kushner is is reading the presidential daily briefing, the PDB, PDB every day. Trump is we learned this week. Trump is no longer reading it. Right. He is getting oral briefings and graphs. Right? And, no, not even graphs. He's not getting graphs anymore. There 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 are graphs in the PDB. Oh, he's not reading. But he's though. not reading it. Mm. He is getting oral briefings like three times a week. This is horrifying. <laughs> but Kushner, <laughs> without security clearance is reading it um, and running the middle east yeah it's it, it's deeply deeply troubling it's all like everything's flipped upside down do we know why kushner doesn't have security clearance yet no they haven't said um, what's the hold up is well, it his foreign dealings with banks and other places and yeah i feel like this is a really real good stuff or? i feel like it's a really good tactic to try and get people out of this administration if they don't have security clearances and this is setting a precedent so i yeah, I, I mean it's a good question. Like I, we've been talking about, it. I don't think it's it's without precedent at this point. Yeah. Well, Kushner has complicated business relations, so that is something. But even that, they they still probably should have gotten through that by now. The other thing is he's really bad at filling out forms. Oh right, he keeps leaving things out. <laughs> right. So, and I'm guessing with the FBI, when you don't include things, 
that means they're going to look a little deeper when into you those shove things. it back to you. When you re re repeatedly lie on your clearance <laughs> yes. forms, it probably uh, affects your ability to get clearance. Yeah. Well, what, what, what I'm thinking as we're talking about this is the next thing that I could see happening if this continues is for then the White House to turn and start blaming the FBI like they've already been doing. It's another failure by the FBI. They're corrupt. They don't know how to do their job. It's another reason that we shouldn't have faith in them. It's it's it adds to this narrative that really has been working. I'm kind of surprised they haven't started using it already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, I mean, I think it's another, you know, a, a component of opposition politics where this really is not going to matter that much in the end, especially considering uh, Trump's poll numbers are up. Uh, and what was the other number that I saw? I think Republican congressional numbers are up too, mm -hmm. which well, is especially for the shutdown. Yeah, yeah. I. I yeah, I, I don't. I think this is a blip on the radar. Barely a blip on the radar. Interesting. There's so many blips. We keep saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, "Go ahead, Phil." I, I, what were you going to ask? I'll, I was going to. You know, I always look to you. You're the pillar of morality for me. And so <laughs> wow. The question I have is: should should Kelly step down because of this? Because of not being truthful? Uh, yep. You know, for keeping somebody in who's, I mean, multiple people who have committed domestic violence. I mean, is this is this grounds for him to be fired, not asking him whether he wants to leave? Yeah. Um, so that's, I was going to talk about it. We are so on the same page, though. Yes. Oh, it's so cute. So first, first of all, before I before I answer that question, I want to do I, I want to throw a little. Uh, this is me being contemporary this is for the kids i want to throw a shout out <laughs> oh, God. so i want to say something because it's kind of come up in some of the things we've talked about ray christopher ray yeah. the fbi director I, I i want like i should say that i i've been pretty impressed with him i i was really skeptical when he was nominated by um trump and sort of his background i was not feeling good about him and he throughout the last couple of weeks have done a number of things that have made me feel much better about his his um, uh, leadership in the FBI. But having said that, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask, I was going to ask ab about, you know, how, how you react to the idea um, of Kelly maybe being gone. So I think the answer in, in sort of a moral ethical sense, yeah, he should go, right? If, if he's been lying, particularly covering up for people who are domestic abusers, yes, he should, he should be gone. Um, because his whole job is about, you know, leadership and we want someone who at least has some level of ethics in that. But it brings up another question in which um, I, I don't know that I want him gone. Right. So so Kelly has been pretty effective. Um, and, and that's a weird thing because I don't you know, our, our listeners will are not surprised to hear that I'm not a big fan of Trump's policies necessarily. And, and Kelly has kept the White House relatively calm or calmer than it was before he was there. And there have been some policy successes when he's been in charge. And so there's, there's part that, you know, that's like, well, he's, he's, he's seeing success. So getting him out might be a good thing, but that level of stability and a little bit of sanity is kind of reassuring in the Trump era. I don't know that I want to go back to a chaotic mm -hmm. Trump to a more chaotic Trump administration. And so it's a weird kind of ethical dilemma because I think he absolutely has done some, you know, this is this is wrong. He's lied. He's covered up for people who have done, you know, absolutely, you know, abhorrent things. Um, but I, I'm a little scared of what happens when he's gone at the same time. So it's this kind of greater good. And, and do I do I care more about sort of the stability that he brings? I, I don't I don't know. I mean, the answer is you he should go, but it, it doesn't make the debate a little bit. Think. Does it change it your deep. thinking if 
if Scaramucci the Mooch came out today and said he Shut should up. leave. If the Mooch says it's time Mooch. to go, 10-day Scaramucci, I think that's <laughs> Did it. that actually happen? Yeah, Mooch, oh, Mooch I came out. No, no, he up. did. Oh. He came out and said, he tweeted, that, time to you go. Interpret, you interpret that as, if Scaramucci thinks you're bad, you're really bad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Scaramucci something. thinks you're bad. Right. And you're probably okay because he has such poor judgment. I mean, I guess the question is if, if well, there's two things, Phil, as you were talking. I was thinking, yes, he, so it's bad that he lied. It's bad that he's covering up and all of that, regardless um, of what the people have done. And it's like, I guess then that's the one thing. Is it worse because they're domestic abusers in this climate right now? Probably. But should we have cared if he lied regardless about what? I think the answer is yes. But to Bill's point earlier, it's kind of this narrative we keep seeing with these kinds of situations. But the second part is, if Kelly does go, then who is the next person? That's my question. And, I mean, people talked about Hope Hicks. Well, she's wrapped up in all of this, so no. I don't know who... There's no one left on the inside. Uh, Mulvaney, what's his name? Oh, uh, maybe. Mick. Yeah, I've heard his name rumored. But I don't yeah. know if he's Mick needed. Mick? I like Mick. Mick. No, but, let's call him Rick. I like Rick better. <laughs> like people call you Will? Yes. <laughs> I just, I don't know if he's needed more where he is. You think about prioritizing, because if, you know, there's no one left, like we keep saying, do you elevate someone from the inside, and like we did with Kelly, and then move someone in his position? Or do we think about who may be on the outside kind of circulating that can provide that stabilizing force that, as Phil talked about, is good? Then who is that person? Well, yeah, I can't imagine. It seems like as they go, they're running out of um, salient bodies? level-headed. Bodies. <laughs> yeah, bodies in general. But level-headed salient bodies. On top. So I feel like if they continue to get rid of people at the clip that they're getting rid of people, there aren't many people left in that town that are going to have level-headed you know, even keeled discussions with someone who needs level headed and even keeled discussions. And are willing to attach themselves to the Trump train. That's right. right. And mm-hmm. Rob Porter and, we, you know, his behavior aside, it sounds like he was level headed in terms of the job. So he was in there, he was effective, he was doing his job, he passed the papers to Trump. So he was good in that way, in the way that Kelly is. So if both of those leave, both mm-hmm. those individuals are now gone, you have a much more chaotic administration. Right. So, which is probably the right choice to say both of them have committed different crimes and should be removed. But what is left in that administration is very, very different. Mm-hmm. So, it's very thin. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, anything else Do on we, this one? Do we have more time? We have a couple more minutes if we want, if there's other issues with Do we this. want to talk about Jared Kushner? I mean, we kind of circled around it. Yeah. Is there more that we want to talk about with that? The, the, we sort of said, like, oh, it's awful he doesn't have security clearance. But then we just kind of stopped. Is there, I don't know if there's more to talk about there or not. Nepotism not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. That his wife went to the hospital because, no, not his wife. His mother-in-law. Not his mother. No, the... Which son's wife got the thing in the envelope? Don Jr. Oh, Don Jr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm getting all the family mixed up because yeah. nepotism bad. I get them all yeah. confused. <laughs> yeah, that's. Is I mean, obviously, I don't think anyone in this room or a lot of the people that are listening to us really agree with um, what the administration is doing. But when it gets to that level where there's potential anthrax attacks um, and you're targeting specific people within their family. That I I don't really care who they are. That's completely abhorrent to me. <laughs> anthrax is bad too. Nick. Anthrax yeah. is bad. Anthrax yeah. bad. Oh, nepotism pretty and yeah. Nepotism and anthrax. That should be the title of the podcast. 
I'm going to go on a limb. Anthrax is worse than nepotism. Okay. <laughs> For whom exactly? Yes. Depends on who has the anthrax. Well, should we should we talk beers? Yeah. Yeah. Phil, you want to start us off? Uh, sure. So um, I had an, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, I had a, a Von Trapp uh, yes. brewery beer from the Sound of Music family. I have another <laughs> one of theirs tonight, uh, which is a Dunkel. Um, which uh, I I'm actually enjoying. It's a, it's it's dark. It's malty, but it's not heavy at all. It's got sort of a I don't know a pretty light finish, and I've I've enjoyed it. I brought two Von Trapp, so I'm having that one, and I'm about to open a Vienna Lager. So oh. I'm just I'm all Sound of Music tonight. <laughs> Vienna <laughs> can't go wrong with that. Yeah. All right. So we started sharing. Here you go, Nick. Mm. Here. Second beer. Thank so you. We, uh, started sharing another uh, beer oh. from Pipeworks, and this one was called G and T Gin and Tonic, uh, inspired and brewed with lime juice and some kind of berries, intending to mimic a gin and tonic. Some kind of berries. Yeah, I couldn't read. It's in person. So <laughs> it's in person. <laughs> I need some glasses. So I, I, I thought this was delightful and refreshing. It was pretty good. It, it was, was not gin and tonic-esque. Didn't even yeah. kind of get gin and tonic no, out of it. No, but yeah. I enjoyed it. What did, what did you two think? It Well, the listeners may remember, and obviously the gentlemen do, that I like my light Hefeweizen-like beers, and Hogarden is one of my absolute favorite things to drink of any kind of drink, and this reminded me a lot of a Hogarden. Really mm. light, crisp, not carbonated, but sort of has that feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say, Nick? It's drinkable. It is drinkable. Oh, my drinkable. God. I've been trying so hard to not say that I since you said that. Because I pointed it out that yeah. one time, yes. And you said it last week, actually. Oh, I, think. I know. <laughs> um, but I think it, I thought it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Nick, you enjoyed it? I did, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah. it was carbonated. It almost had kind of a champagne-y feel to it, That's but not it. quite so... Yeah, carbonated and it had a little sweetness to it, yeah. like in the aftertaste. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I did not think I would like it, and it was it was very very good. It was it was yeah. I, I kind of got it thinking it would be controversial, but it was it was really good. <laughs> no, so the second beer I'm opening is from Three Floyds, and Nick and I are both having these. An Alpha King. It's a pale ale. Oh, delicious. It is very delicious, but it is a different kind of pale ale. It's almost malty. Would you what would you say? Yeah, I would say yeah. it's malty. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost almost amber like, but yeah, it's not heavy for as dark is it it's got kind of a, a dark reddish yes. amber cloudiness to it but um yeah pretty light for how dark it is it's not zombie dust awesome but it's a good beer it's pretty it's yeah. pretty close yeah yeah <laughs> um well bill brought me beers i actually asked him i texted him last night i said are you bringing me something this time and he did and uh it was great so first was the gnt and then now he brought me new glarus one of my favorites because i love a spotted cow and i know bill whenever he comes back from wisconsin Brought me a Moon Man, which is a pale ale as well. I've never had this new Glarus before. This also is really good. It's light. It's not as light as the GNT, but it's a really nice light. I don't. I don't I'm not as good at describing no, no. them as the gentleman, but um, light is a good description. We've been doing it for moody, sixty episodes, and we're so bad at it. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Just throw drinkable in. Everybody likes it. Yeah. It's totally drinkable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It was. I really enjoyed it, and I was a little bit concerned because it's a little darker than the Spotted Cow, for example, but. And I'm not always a paleo person, but this is really good. So I struggle with their stuff a lot because I feel like the only really good one they have is Spotted Cow. Yeah, try it. Is it a, See how we share bit. on the podcast? Hold on. <laughs> it's good, right? Yeah, that's actually better than the other ones I've had See? of theirs. Yeah. There you go. No, okay. Thanks, New Glarus. Yay. Thank you. Speed round, Nick? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Topic number one. Uh, Kim Jong-un's sister wins the Olympics. <laughs> 
Mike, Mike Pence? Not so she much. She won them all? Yes. The whole thing. All right. So a little background here. North Korea has emerged as the early favorite to grab one of the Winter Olympics' most important medals, the diplomatic gold. Oh, God. Much attention was paid to Kim Yo-jung, sister of the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, who sat behind and threw eye rolls at Mike Pence during the opening ceremonies. Some have suggested that North Korea is skillfully driving a wedge between the United States, Japan, and South Korea. Do we all agree that North Korea is playing its hand well uh, at the game of geopolitics at the Olympics? Their hockey team isn't. So. Oh, did that no. not go well for them? Go well but the, their ice skaters last night were fantastic. Yes, well, they would be shot if they didn't do can, well. well. No, can we, North, let's not talk North sports. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cultural North diplomacy, Korea. go. I didn't know the North Korea could afford skates. This is, this is good. <laughs> they were given to them oh, okay. and then turned to use on them as a weapon yeah. if they don't do well. Mm. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The visuals of Mike Pence and Kim Jong-un's sister sitting behind were fantastic. In his big they, USA they jacket. Oh, yeah. And Mike Pence, I will give him some credit. He knows how to just look lovingly at American athletes, and he just, he can do it Even for hours. Even the gay ones. Yes, oh yeah. Well, he may not have been looking at them, but uh, he just, he just, he looks happy. He, he didn't shake, that was an interesting question, he didn't shake the North Korean delegation's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shook everybody else's hands. So there was, you know, the United States was saying, you know, we're, we're not going to acknowledge this abhorrent regime. Um, I don't know, Phil, what's your think, thoughts on all of this? Uh, I mean, if we're giving grades for... Uh, diplomacy or for public diplomacy then yeah i think north korea has done a good job i mean i think the fact that she was sort of front and center i thought like you said that the the sort of eye rolling was so <laughs> apparent it was on national tv in the united states they have these cheerleaders i, I don't remember what they're called yeah, there's a title for them it's, of them it's yeah. Crazy. yeah going around um that has like gotten all sorts of news media attention they i i think it's been a fantastic success for North Korea. And I, I mean, I, that bums me out a little bit because we, and as the American people, get excited about eye rolls and cheerleaders and miss out on the fact that they are still, despite all of this, an, a regime that violates human rights at an astonishing level and executes political opponents. And I mean, it's a terrible, terrible, brutal regime, right? So, you know, you can, we, I can be sort of critical of the, I don't know, there's something a little petty about sending, you know, Mike Pence to not shake her hand and, and whatnot. And so I can see that as sort of silly, but at the same time, like the point is, is valid, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And yeah. some of the media coverage seemed to suggest, I mean, she became a bit of a star because of this. And I think that was right. problematic that the media so quickly bought into all of that. Uh, yep. But you're right. North Korea is a terrible regime. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think about the Olympics, um, this concept that I, I had not heard about until last year when I was exploring this concept, which made no sense what I just said. I feel like Trump talking in circles. <laughs> okay, let me start over. I learned about this concept last year called cultural diplomacy. This is something that those who study foreign policy and international relations may have heard about before and others. I've never heard of this concept before, but the idea is that one of the ways that you engage in relationships with other countries is through their culture to understand who they are and how you have things in common and so forth. And the Olympics to me seems like the perfect place to engage in cultural diplomacy. And I'm not suggesting that we should appreciate or understand the North Korean culture based on what Phil just said, but when North Korea and South Korea are coming together as a unified Korea and they're coming on to the, you know, through the opening ceremonies and Pence doesn't stand up, what does that say about his feelings about South Korea? Could he not stand up because also North Korea is part of it? 
I, it just, to me, seems like this would have been an opportunity to engage in some kind of cultural diplomacy. And it, it, I think it was all a stunt. You know, Phil, when you were talking about you know, sending him there to not shake her hand, it's like sending him to the Colts game to purposefully leave when the players right. kneel. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of stunting, which doesn't get us anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it gets the wrong kind of coverage. And so that I think that's 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 how I my take on all that. Mm-hmm. I, I, the audience for that, in, in my mind, is totally a domestic audience, right? I mean, the, the whole, like, don't go and shake her hand is intended for an American audience. Oh, whereas... The North Korean regime, their audience is a world, a global audience, right? They're trying to send a message of their, uh, you know, their, their, uh, I don't know, a, a global player. They're, they're, they're trying to be a part. They're not, you know, they're, they're getting a bad rap. And, you know, they're, they're reaching out specifically, like you talked about, Bill, to the South Korean audience, to the Japanese audience, all of these things. And that's where I, again, I think that, that the, you know, I don't know, the sort of short-sightedness of American politics in general, this focus on sort of electoral politics really kind of limits our ability to be a world leader or possibly, you know, seize an opening, like you're saying, Suzanne, a chance to actually, you know, maybe rather than viewing this as a chance to sort of express our disdain of the North Korean regime, see this as an opportunity to maybe reach out to the North Korean regime. They're not good. They're bad. But that's part of the reason why we want to sort of reach out to encourage change and get them involved in international politics. And yeah, it seems like a a missed opportunity or a, a, I don't know. I, I don't know. I go back and forth on that. If, if it's petty or if it's, you know, there's nothing petty when you're dealing with uh, somebody as atrocious as North Korea. I, mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm going past the bell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he waited patiently. <laughs> no, I, I like realistically, I, I don't disagree with the sentiment that they were trying to, to put forward. I don't think that he should have shook her hand or even acknowledged a North Korean regime. But they're so bad at optics and just how to play the game. This was a perfect opportunity to either hold a press conference or do something or not attend at all and do some sort of event. It's a horrible regime. Even the athletes are followed around by monitors and chaperones are not allowed to speak to other athletes. It's, you know, they imprison their own people and and their, their population is starving. And we should not be party to this. And the fact that we're even acknowledging that or and turning these people into celebrities over something so banal and, and, and meaningless is is horrible. Like why That's the United States of America. Well, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> it, yeah. The if they just they need to play the game better. And I wonder You're, whether if if Pence had just shook her hand and then stood when the Korean athletes come in. And then, like you said, after the ceremony, come out and give a press conference mm-hmm. saying the real crime here is the North Korean behavior, right? I mean, would that have sh- ch- changed the dynamic and not made it just about him not shaking a hand? Because I think you're right. They're a but, terrible regime. But back to what Nick was saying, it seems like an, an, an avoidable controversy, right. Right? Like, right? Send Pence to the Olympics. Have him meet with American athletes. But you can avoid sitting directly in front of her right where this is made an issue of whether you're going to shake it gives her the opportunity to roll her eyes when america comes in like just sit somewhere else in the stadium like it seems like those like the optics could have been easily avoided that seems like a trap who was that that's a great question who was in charge of the seating was that that wasn't the united states was it well i I can't imagine they don't have a say in that right i mean even if the olympic committee said we want to sit most of the foreign leaders of these nations that are present in this one particular spot there are more spots where foreign leaders from other countries sat. They didn't have to sit together. Well, I mean, right? They were what 
she was two rows or something behind, pretty much directly right. behind right. him. And to the side, so you could totally see. That both has of them. to have been avoidable. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's where you like, say that if you want to make a stand about I don't agree with North Korea, it's not just that I'm not going to shake her hand. I'm not going to sit three feet from her. Right. right. That could speak to the earlier topic we hit on in terms of the professionalism of this administration. Somebody didn't do their homework and figure out and say, no, we don't want those optics. We want him separate so that this doesn't become the story. It's a different story. Or the IOC is sticking the knife in and twisting it a little bit. The IOC is terrible. They are terrible terrible people. Mm -hmm. Those Russian athletes, they shouldn't be there. No, no, they're the Olympic athletes of Russia. The sequencing exactly. of the words. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Topic number two. Good news. The polls don't lie and the people love Trump. Yeah. So mm. president, nobody's been noticing this, but President Trump's approval ratings uh, are on the upswing, uh, rising about 40% for the first time since September and up 10 points from December in a poll released Wednesday. 42% of Americans now approve of Trump's job performance, according to this la- uh, last Mammoth uh, poll. A sizable uptick from his low mark of 32% uh, last month. Though a majority of Americans still registered disapproval of the president, the figure dropped to 50% in January from 50%, uh, 60% in December. So the question is, what explains this development, and are the people finally getting used to living in jail with Donald Trump? So maybe, maybe Suzanne, this is a good place for you to oh, start. Oh, it is? Yes. Okay. Well, I think one of the reasons why, well, let me say this in two ways. One is that we still need to look at the polls broken apart by party so what's most important is whether republican approval has increased not just i mean overall approval is important but i think looking at partisan approval it'd be interesting and i have not seen a poll i will be honest whether democratic approval or independent approval is at all increasing Um, one would imagine maybe if overall opinion is increasing but it could be that people who were not saying they were republicans when they were so mad are now re-identifying as republicans which could have something to do with the numbers but aside from that i don't know if anyone looked at their paycheck this past time but we a lot of us have seen increases in our paychecks a little bit and it took a little bit of a lag since the tax bill was passed in december to see that and so my estimation because it's the economy stupid and it's about your pocketbook sometimes more than how it's doing sociotropically that i like the president because i have more money in my check every month Mm -hmm. i think between that and the fact that after the first shutdown because remember the government shut down for like a hot second, like yeah. five hours last week or whatever it was, um, that the expectation was that the Republicans and Trump would suffer the disproportionate amount of disapproval from the shutdown, which did not happen. It was sort of evenly split. That that says something about his um, the overall view of how he and the and as Nick said, if this is I haven't seen the data to suggest that the congressional Demo, excuse me congressional Republican approval is also up. It could be that the party brand is resurging a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it's probably the paychecks and it's probably a little bit about the shutdown after the shutdown now phil you get paid in rubles our, our listeners probably don't know that have <laughs> yeah. you has, has the increase in rubles <laughs> it's been dramatic what's the exchange like is that pretty so incredible <laughs> the what, what do you think's going on what's your sense of this, this uptick in poll and I, I will say it's not just one poll there's a variety yeah. of polls that are showing that's just this. yeah that's right <laughs> Right. So, I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things that I, I mean, I don't know. This is just speculation on my part. But I, I mean, we've talked over the last couple of months about the extent to which Donald Trump has sort of taken control of the Republican Party. Right. I, or consolidated control. You see this sort of civil war within the Republican Party early on in the election and shortly after Trump was elected. And it seems like there's some fair amount of 
I don't know, resignation by a lot of Republicans to the fact that Trump is this is kind of becoming his party. So I, I sort of wonder how much of that is at play. Um, uh, I think that, you know, going back to our first topic, that that what you saw again is that chaos early on in the Trump administration with Kelly taking over. It's I mean, again, by by historic standards, it's still a chaotic regime, right? It's a chaotic administration. But compared to the first, you know, six months of the Trump administration, things have settled down and you've had some policy successes, right? Like so Suzanne was talking about, there's been a I think not just that interpersonal paychecks we see more money, but that the Republican Party has accomplished this thing that they said they were going to do, which is tax cuts. And um, yeah, I mean, I think some of that starts to you know, the the policy successes of Trump haven't been necessarily all that Trumpian, right? The tax cuts are kind of a classic Republican policy stance. And so I, I kind of suspect that some of that plays into this upsurge in in support now. Having said all of that, if you look at this in a historic context, right, his, his approval ratings are higher than they have been, but they're still in line with like where Gerald Ford was at this point, <laughs> who got his ass kicked by by yes. Jimmy Carter, right? Yes. Of Jimmy Carter, uh, yeah. right? He's he's five six percentage points behind where you know Reagan and Obama and Carter were at this point. He's like. 40 percentage points behind where George W. Bush was at this point. So, I mean, he's he's doing better, but he's still not doing well. But right? the bar but is I, I so do... low for him, yes. right? But it is getting better, yeah. which I don't think anyone, yeah. I, I mean, there should be no reason for it. I think you're seeing some remnants from the State of the Union. I And I, I, I as much as... As much of a clusterfuck as everything is right now, seeing a little uptick in your paycheck is enough to swing your opinion of something. And like, like, regardless of if you agree with the policies that have been passed, they are passing policies that they did say that they were going well, they to. They passed one. There, uh, something. Uh, I'm just saying, right? right? They uh, yeah. passed one, but it was a big. It's one. a. That's a. It's a whopper. That's a huge one. Yeah. I, it's. Something is getting accomplished, whether you agree with it or not, and there will most likely be some movement on immigration and border defense and all of, and which, infrastructure, which, I, you know, is, again, I, I, I don't think the Democrats are just as good as the Republicans at playing the game, and I think they get worn down by all of this mess that we talk about every week. I... I I think they'll give more ground than the Republicans will with infrastructure and border defense and immigration when all is said and done, so, and, which is only going to push those numbers up higher. And I think the Republicans deserve some credit for the way in which they've sold the tax bill. I mean, this has been successful. They, and, and I think the American public likes a good tax cut. And so they, I, I don't think the tax cut really is benefiting a lot of Americans. But the way in which the Republicans are selling it with a consistent messaging mm -hmm. seems to be working. And and you combine that with a little bit extra money in your pocket each month. Hey, maybe a few more people say like, hey, this Trump guy might be onto something. I'm not as upset as I was a while ago. And that's the thing. The, the economy is doing well. The stock market, for the most part, is doing well. Tax cuts... He has been given a really good hand. The gift. Yes. And if he stops screwing it up, his poll numbers, I think, would, would grow. Uh, well, he has to get out of his own way. Well, and that's what you, I mean, anyone who has written about this, political scientists and others have said exactly the same thing, that any other president with this economy and the tax cut and all of that, their approval numbers would be in the 60s or 70s, maybe. Mm -hmm. But yeah. he is getting in his own way. And 
Furthermore, he's not selling his tax bill. The congressional Republicans are selling yes, it. He's right. not talking about it at all. And they're saying to him, if you talked about this more and talked less about wife beaters, yeah. you may actually have a bigger benefit and his poll numbers could go up even more. Yeah. But like you said, Bill, he can't get out of his own way. Yeah, the congressional Republicans I, have to do it instead, which serves them well as we move into the midterm cycle. I, I realize we need to move on, but I also wonder, and it's something we could talk about at some other point, at, with the strength of partisanship these days, I wonder as the Mueller investigation goes further along, if there's some just kind of backlash against, you know, like an attack on a Republican that will sort of rally the troops behind Trump to some extent. I, I don't mm -hmm. know if that will play out, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that played out that way that's as well. A, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Next topic. Nick, do you want to get the tape ready? No. Oh. This, this. I'm, I'm excited about this topic. This was like me Very talking in circles earlier, yes. so it was a good preface. All right, so I'm, a question. Will Trump ever come to terms with his feelings for Russia? So yesterday, Trump made a statement, or actually it was a Monday, he made a statement detailing how the U.S. will respond to the Russian nuclear proliferation. It was, it was within his broader conversation about infrastructure. It didn't get a lot of attention, but you can literally hear Trump trying to come to terms with his own inner feelings about Russia. In the course of three sentences, he goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so just play the tape, Nick, and then we can talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Go to the tape. We're increasing arsenals of virtually every weapon. We're modernizing and creating brand new, a brand new nuclear force. And frankly, we have to do it because others are doing it. If they stop, we'll stop. But they're not stopping. So if they're not going to stop, we're going to be so far ahead of everybody else in nuclear like you've never seen before. And I hope they stop. And if they do, we'll stop in two minutes. And frankly, I'd like to get rid of a lot of them. And if they want to do that, we'll We'll go along with them. We won't lead the way. We'll go along with them. All right. This is it, it's all right. So there's that. There's that. And then in addition, on Tuesday, uh, the U.S. intelligence chief warned the chiefs warned the Senate that uh, as the midterm elections approach, Russia is likely to throw more propaganda at America using uh, people sympathetic to their messages. So they're going to continue to do what they did for the 2016 presidential election. So. I mean, I, I heard that statement by Trump, and it, it blew me away. It was troubling. What was? We're going to be what? so nuclear. Tell me well, tell me what was the most problematic part for you. Because I think he's, he's finally accepting the fact that Russia is increasing their <laughs> nuclear arsenal and pushing him. And he realizes he has to respond. But he doesn't want to. He wants to... To not, he wants to be nice with Russia, but in in the course of a statement, he's going back and forth, back and right. forth. The whole idea that the United States and, and Russia need to get into a nuclear arms race it's a again, contest. it's insane. Like it's totally insane. This does not need to happen. But he, I don't know. It's it just he's. I don't. Philly's an idiot. He's an idiot, right? <laughs> On this issue, there's. It's just. I don't know. Stop me. So, <laughs> the thing that stands out to me in that quote in that statement is like another. To add another to the list of things that would be a, a scandal totally in another right. administration, the statement at the end about how we won't lead but we'll go along <laughs> right. is like that. That is like that is the attack that was leveled against Obama for years. It's right? the soundbite that runs in every ad. Yes, yes, I, it's it's remarkable that he says that and that it's not again a big a big scandal, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Generally, I agree with you, Bill. It's insane. I don't understand. I, was I, that in the context, though, of of wiping those countries out that were going to move forward with 
nuclear programs that they wouldn't start something but they would go along with it it was in response to a question so what's happening is russia is increasing its nuclear arsenal and so what is the united states going to do to respond to that and that's what prompted him to say well right we'll stop if they stop but they're not going to stop so we're not going to stop right we we'll stop in two minutes if they stop but but we're not going to leave we're only going to follow right yeah nick Come on. I, I don't know. I separated those two things. Maybe I was wrong, but I, yeah. how so? Explain. No, no, in the sense of he, I, I felt like the, the that statement was broken into two things. He had a statement about, yeah, we're going to improve our nuclear arsenal and create a nuclear force, which just needs to be some sort of cartoon or, or something going forward. <laughs> um, and then he just devolved into this completely separate thing where I just want to get rid of these countries that are doing that, and then. You know, we're not going to start something, but we're going to go along with it, but not lead it. That's how yeah. I interpreted that. Oh, I did that. not interpret but, it that way. No, that's interesting. That's interesting. It, the other thing, he doesn't use the word Russia. Right. It's clearly about Russia, mm. but he doesn't want to say Russia. But that's the only one out there other than China who is moderately increasing its, mm. its nuclear arsenal. This is about Russia, mm-hmm. who's intentionally provoking us. Could be North Korea. It will, Yeah, well, that's true. I think yeah. the question is if what I was thinking about this when Bill played me the video yesterday and I was like, I don't even understand what he said. So when I thought about it more, <laughs> that if the question would have been asked about another country, how the rhetoric would be different. And I think that's maybe one of the most troubling parts. If the question would have been asked about North Korea or Russia or other nations, for him to hedge, I don't think we would have heard that. We would have heard... We're going to be better, and we're going to do more, and we're going to make sure they don't have them. And if they're going to have them, we're going to have more of them. But he wouldn't have gone back and forth the way that he did. And I think, to Bill's point, it's coming to terms with his own inner self. <laughs> he was having a and moment right there. his relationship with his best friend Putin and how <laughs> yeah. that feels inside. Well, that's the other thing that strikes. So we spend so much time talking about Trump-Russia and the Mueller investigation, which I think is legitimate. That's an important story. But for me, in many ways, the bigger story is the way in which the Russians have intervened in in U.S. electoral process, the political process, what they're doing internationally. That's a big story. But we don't talk about that because we're most interested in what is there any connection between Trump and Russia. Mm -hmm. But what Russia is doing internationally, they're playing a a, weak hand really, really well. And again, this escalation of, of their nuclear program, all of that should be a central issue and and we don't focus on it and our president is not interested in focusing on it no no i mean the russian deaths in syria which have been underreported apparently and they're forced there which we know they've been propping up the the regime but the fact that there's so much more presence and that they're not transparent about it and this this is not getting the coverage maybe Mm -hmm. it is internationally it's definitely not getting the coverage here no international politics is complicated right it's this is why i'm an americanist (laughs) and and you know, a critique could be leveled against Obama and that he got too bogged down in that complexity and it sort of paralyzed his decision making in some ways. But this is an example of where I I think Trump hasn't recognized that complexity, right? You you spend the last several months talking about nuking North Korea if necessary and building up nuclear arsenals and other countries are going to, you know, you want to have that conversation in sort of a one-on-one North Korea, US kind of way, but you can't, do that you can't talk that way without having you know sort of reactions from other countries and so he wants to build a nuclear arsenal and sort of be able to make these threats against north korea but you have to recognize that when you do that countries like russia and other countries are also going to respond to that and so it you almost kind of see that that that's you there's some sense of like recognizing that complexity that the sort of 
um, unintended consequences of your actions, almost like in that in that sort of series of sentences, kind of wrestling with that dilemma in some way. That's an interesting way to think about it, because you're right. I, I do think Obama was paralyzed mm-hmm. by the complexity of it in a way that ultimately hurt his foreign policy. And maybe Trump is just getting to that point where he's like, wow, just like healthcare, this More is complicated. complicated. <laughs> and, and he doesn't know how to handle it. And so you see it in the course of three sentences back and forth where he's doing that. I don't know that I would give him that much credit, though. Like, I, I see your points, and I think with Obama in particular, that paralysis is because of his type of style, where he is the studier, does the homework, wants to understand the intricacies, brings in people that are not necessarily like-minded. I, I don't know that... Trump gets there. He's, he's learning, Suzanne. He's I don't learning. know, though. Really? <laughs> but the theme, if if the theme of, of Obama is sort of overanalyzing, right. the theme of Trump is, is like, I, I don't know, it's about loyalty, right? And so there's almost this sense of North Korea is bad and Russia is a friend, right? And so I, I'm going to threaten and do whatever I need to with North Korea. And there's this sort of sense that Russia, like to, for Russia to be responding the way they are, it's almost like... He's like betrayed? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's he's like sort of puzzled and and troubled by this, right? Like I want them to stop, and we'll we'll follow if they'll stop. Why is my friend hurting my feelings right now? Trump (laughs) needs to read some Shakespeare, man. This is all Shakespearean. Betrayal (laughs) is deep. All right, let's jump to our fourth topic: Uh, infrastructure and budget. I don't. I don't like. You talk. didn't want to talk about budget, talk. and no. I sort of pushed you. It's I pushed you. We're going to talk it's... about Stormy Daniels instead. Oh, oh that's right. right. I, I asked Bill right. about that. I was like, can we get that talk about? All right, let's do two minutes on Fuck infrastructure. Fuck the bridges. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick. Uh, President Trump sent Congress a four point four trillion dollar budget, uh, and then he also laid out an infrastructure plan. Uh, it's going to dramatically increase deficits. Um, so I guess, I, I, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk any specifics about this, but it, it appears to me that Republicans no longer care yeah. about deficits. They only care when Obama is the yes. one. Yes. Uh, and although I, I do think it sounds like the infrastructure plan is not going to happen. The budget's not going to happen. So Suzanne, explain to us oh, why yeah. this matter. Why? Why, why? why, why do does, we care? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's one thing that maybe we can latch on to. When you look at the infrastructure budget or the infrastructure plan, a disproportionate amount goes exactly where we would expect it to with the Trump administration. It goes to rural areas, it goes to farmers, and so forth. Where that money is most desperately needed are in urban areas. Those people don't vote for the Republicans and don't vote for President Trump. And so uh, part of the infrastructure plan could be a lot of posturing. Given that parts of the budget and the cuts that Trump is proposing actually negatively and disproportionately affect some of his base. That I don't know that this was purposeful, but to see the infrastructure plan disproportionately helping the base and parts of the budget disproportionately negatively affecting the base. That it's a way to symbolically and rhetorically have that conversation when, as you said, neither of them are going to pass through Congress. Particularly with the infrastructure plan because the past two times he's talked about it in large speeches talking about public-private partnerships. Mm-hmm. None of that is included in this. There's no way with just the funds that may or may not be available with the budget that the, that the infrastructure plan that he puts forward is even viable. So some of this could just be posturing, which is often the case with a presidential budget, knowing mm-hmm. that Congress is always going to say, we don't like any of the things you did. And when Congress came out and said, we're not passing anything that you propose in your budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the plan is to give federal funding for 20%, correct, of the of the proposed infrastructure plan, and the rest is supposed to come from 
state and local governments and private partnerships. Right, where there's nothing spelled out exactly how that right, works. Right, and it's just, I yeah. get the idea of re-engaging the states and the local entities because federalism requires that that should be a thing that happens. But there's a lot of reliance on the states when it comes to tax cuts and bringing corporations back into particular places and with infrastructure. There's a lot of reliance on that with no assurance it's actually going to happen. See, it matters. See, it, you're convinced. I feel like you're convinced now. I am. I, I want to play devil's advocate on no, this real quick. I'm just right. I, I, mm. Nick never consents. <laughs> <laughs> Long-standing tradition. No, that's that's not true. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree with the sentiment that on paper, um, urban areas, yes, desperately need more funding than rural areas. In reality, uh, I also think that urban areas are notoriously horrible at... I don't know what the hell just happened there. Um, did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, anyways. Um, <laughs> We're okay. Sorry. You're professionals and just ignoring it. Um, I, I think urban areas are horrible at managing funds, and they would be um, wasted to an extreme extent. And if you're talking about it from a political capital perspective, why would you say that you're giving more funding to urban areas that are going to vote for you as opposed to rural areas, which... Is well, your yeah. voter base? Of course. I mean, it makes sense. It, right. Yeah. I, I, just from a pragmatic, realistic of point of view, there is no political capital in saying that you're going to start pouring money into urban areas that are not going to help you. Okay. So right. Go ahead. This Phil. is. I mean, this is the problem with stupid American <laughs> politics, right? Because no, from a no, pragmatic no, no, standpoint, no. you're exactly right, Nick, in that if you want to win an election, it doesn't make sense to do this. But the stupid partisanship, right? Like from a from an American perspective, like investing in like infrastructure that encourages the, you know, the movement of goods and people around the country. And, like this is good <laughs> for everyone. Like it's so stupid that yes. we get caught up in I mean, it is exactly it is perfectly in line with American politics that we get caught up in this along party lines but it, it's that's what's so goddamn frustrating about American <laughs> politics fair <laughs> point speaking of stupid should we transition to story oh, yeah I didn't even start the timer on <laughs> that right. one so. come right, on so we're gonna hit two topics quickly so alright we were supposed to we were gonna initially talk about this during the, the early first segment but just just yeah alright so here's those of you that have been following this Michael Cohen who is Trump's longtime lawyer paid uh, Stormy Daniels $130,000. Now, we knew that she had been paid $130,000 supposedly to keep her quiet, a non-disclosure agreement, uh, agreement for the relationship she had with Trump. Alleged. Alleged relationship. Yes, they deny it. <laughs> now, for me to say that. Michael mm. Cohen came out and said, yeah, yeah, I, I paid her $130,000, but it doesn't have anything to do with that. Or the and he Tr paid his own money. Yeah, uh, yeah, or the Trump campaign or the Trump administration or Trump itself and I have been compensated at all uh, for this I just I just uh, did that uh, no no further questions <laughs> so it's just reeks of just I feel like I have to take a shower it's just icky it's <laughs> this gross. Is, they don't even care about lying Phil it's gross so I read I read uh, I saw something this afternoon I was reading it was a lawyer writing about this and and the argument was that I, I guess the quote says that he facilitated the transaction with his own personal funds or he paid to facilitate so it doesn't necessarily mean that he paid $130,000 it means he paid you know to establish the offshore account that facilitated the $130,000 <laughs> where Trump put the money in <laughs> right 
to me, the, the remarkable thing in all of this is that the president's attorney admitted that he did, in fact, pay $130,000 to a porn star. Yes. And, and it's like the fifth not, story. Yes. That, that, yes, that this is, again, in the list of things that would be massively controversial in another president administ- presidential administration. It's mind-blowing to me that this is not... Yeah. A, I mean, I, I Yeah. Obama I, wears a tan it, suit and the world falls apart. Right, right. He doesn't look good in tan suits. I mean, it's just bad fashion. Well, (laughs) he looks great in everything. (laughs) Steve Bannon did say in Fire and Fury that there were that that Cohen had paid hundreds of women. Like this was not a, you know, this was a common practice to to do these non disclosure agreements. Yeah, this is. This is crazy. That the, no the why does this matter? Can, like really, can, why does what? it matter? No, no, no. Wait, no. I'm sorry. What? Not. I'm not saying that from <laughs> me personally. I'm saying why does this matter in the grand scheme of you know national policy? Like really, why does it matter? He didn't do it while he's in office. He may have lied about it. It wasn't with taxpayer funds or anything like that. He's just a scumbag. He's still the president. That matters, Nick. <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I was going to argue something simpler, similar, Nick. Okay. That, I mean, part of the, part You're of both the wrong. argument. My theory goes towards both of you now. <laughs> part of why he came out, why Cohen came out and said this was that there had been some allegations that uh, campaign funds had been used to mm-hmm. pay her off or whatever. And so he was trying to say that that was not the case, sure. right? That this was all sort of a private transaction. Um, I, you know, I, <laughs> I think it should matter, but I sort of wonder how much of the sort of outrage is a response to the hypocrisy of it, as opposed to the actual, we talked a, a few weeks ago about, you know, like the argument during the Clinton administration is about the pri- the private sexual lives of politicians shouldn't matter or whatever. And how much of it is it that we're pissed off because Republicans are like, well, yeah, whatever, he, he had sex with a porn star versus how much of it is it that, that it actually matters that he had sex with a porn star and paid her off. This is the leader <laughs> of our country, right? There should be standards. And I think this, this, this violates them. This shouldn't happen. And it, I mean, quite honestly, it goes back to the thing that Phil has said over and over again, which is so right, which is for any other president, this would matter. And we're just like, eh, eh, Did it matter for Kennedy? Day. Well, but, but social media, 24-hour news cycle, right. investigative journalism, none of that existed then. And mm-hmm. so the standards are different whether we think they should be or not. It's different. But so, it's only different I, from a perception standpoint realistically perception right Uh, yeah i I, I agree all right fine (laughs) no i completely agree with that Uh, but realistically the underlying facts of what's going on should be exactly not exactly it should be close to identical to any other time in history when a president has engaged in conduct like this jimmy carter wouldn't have done this well no he's got peanut farms to worry about it's it's the level of it's the expectations we have have changed and have been ramped up and for our previous president they were ramped up ridiculously high that to now bring it down so low is just it's for me feels just again icky it's the best word i I, I don't know another word to use except i've used that word a couple times today in other instances also i think it i think it totally matters but i keep coming back around to so if i mean this is maybe i don't know if this is an absurd argument or not but if if barack obama had had like an affair and had paid off the woman that he had an affair with i i i sort of like would democrats be arguing differently i sort of think they would of course 
So so it is just about the hypocrisy. It's not about the act. Yes, right. It is. is that what you're so pissed off about? Wait, me? But any, but both of you, like, both, like, Are you kidding me? I, I mean, I, so I kind of come back around. I think it should matter. But I also I think that a lot of Democrats who are up in arms, if Barack Obama had had an affair, would be arguing that it's, you know, maybe not good, but it's not relevant to his leadership. And we shouldn't be. I, that's what I, I don't know. That's what I kind of. Well, that's what I stuck oh, no, on. Bill, in some way. I still think there are standards for the presidency. And and so when you. We just because other presidents have violated this norm doesn't mean that it should be okay for everybody. And Trump so violates the norms, uh, it's it, it takes it to a new level. So I think you're right, Phil. That if it, you know with Bill Clinton, we explained it away, or Democrats explained it away. But I feel a little bad about that. Looking back yeah. now, I say we should have held Clinton to a higher standard, and I think mm-hmm. it will affect his long term legacy. And I think it should be the same thing for Trump now, uh, because. But yeah, I don't know. It's bad. Jimmy. But Trump, but Just the difference between Clinton team. and Trump is that Trump engaged in a consensual sexual relationship <laughs> yes. with a woman, right? I mean, it might be slimy and gross, but it was yeah. a consensual sexual but relationship. But in this case, but there are allegations that he engaged in sexual encounters with women that were not consensual. Right. So, sure. I, I mean, just mm-hmm. making the distinction that in this case, that's fair. Sure. And with right. Monica Lewinsky, it was consensual. And there were other allegations that with Clinton, it was not. Yeah. I think that the distinctions are important. One of my my favorite memes is a picture. Go back to Jimmy Carter. Is Jimmy Carter like looking sad, saying, "They made me sell my peanut farm." (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Oh, Nick, can we do real quick? We don't do a full five minutes, but can I bring up my? You know, what is the worst political insult? Yes, please. Okay. All right. So two, the final final (laughs) quick topic here, and this will be an easy one to answer. Time to play. What's the bigger political insult? All right. Option number bigger one. Bigger or better? Uh, bigger or better? <laughs> so Omarosa attacks Vice President Mike Pence. Omarosa was back and living it up on CBS's show Big Brother. This week she attacked Vice President Mike Pence, stating, quote, So everybody that's wishing for impeachment might want to reconsider their life. We would be begging for the day that Trump was back if Pence became president. He's extreme. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, but he thinks Jesus is telling him things. It's scary. All right, insult number one. (laughs) Insult number two, which is the reason I came up with this topic, is insult number two. Months after Republican Kevin Nicholson announced his bid to unseat incumbent Wisconsin Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin in 2018, his own parents donated the legal maximum to Baldwin's primary campaign. Oh, uh, the FEC released the number. So basically, this their son announces he's running as a Republican for Senate, Senate, and the first thing the parents do is donate the legal maximum to his candidate, Democratic candidate, right. Phil Barker. <laughs> Bigger insult. <laughs> Second one, by far. Oh, right! I hope we all agree. Yeah. I like my I, my parents and I are at different ends of the political spectrum, but if I declared for office, they may not. I, I mean, they would still contribute to my campaign, <laughs> but even if they didn't contribute, they wouldn't contribute to my opponent. Yes. That is harsh. Yes. That's harsh. That's pretty brutal. Nicholas, I, I, yeah. Why are we even having a discussion about this? You see, like, you're, you're agreement. Yeah, it's, like it's it, the the Omarosa thing is so it's so ridiculous. Yeah. The fact that she's even on like it's 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 just a stunt, just to get more yeah. salacious dirt about the administration, which I don't really think we need anymore. Yeah, if my <laughs> if my parents did that, I would be really really upset about it, and I'm sure they would when I eventually run for office <laughs> and destroy all of these things. I may donate <laughs> yes. to your opponent. All right, well, you'll be on some list somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> Suzanne. Um. Well, so. Uh, um, I mean, obvi. Yeah. Whatever. But the 
I think the first part, yes. Shout out to the youngins, right? Um, I think <laughs> for the, the kids. <laughs> what would you kids. say? <laughs> Hashtag obvi. Um, that's even worse. Oh, God. <laughs> I think the first one for some people is not an insult, right? So to say that someone that so that someone thinks Jesus is talking to them. I'm a Christian. For, I love Jesus, but he thinks Jesus is telling him things. That's not it's an scary. insult for some people. Right? I mean, if we think about it, sure. there are a lot of people out there, I am sure, who think that Jesus speaks to them in various ways. And so that is actually for some people not an insult, whereas the second one, I think universally <laughs> is about as low as you go. That's true. That's a good point. Thank you. She's yeah. also this is why you a bring lunatic, me on. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. She's also a lunatic. Oh, Omarosa or Tammy Baldwin? No, Omarosa. Okay, yeah. Maybe Tammy Baldwin, too. I don't really know that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was. So the stories are she either had a wedding party in the White House or, like, barged in there and had a bunch of people in there without security authorization, or she was using the car service for the White House as, like, an office pickup and drop off. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Like Uber. Like Uber. Yeah, yeah. it's just like Uber. Uber. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I had not heard that. She's dumb. Um, are you going to text or are you going to answer I'm question? texting too and, and talking. It's <laughs> like busy. the youngins. Yes, yes. So what about you there, Bill? Oh, I think it's the second one. Okay. Yeah, if, if I was running for office, I mean, I like Phil, I think my parents, no matter what my political affiliation would be, would be maxing out their donations for me. And to have that, and to have them do it so quickly and so publicly, it's it's <laughs> devast- it's devastating. It <laughs> really is. And they apparently bad. had, the, his parents had donated to Democrats historically, but not to the maximum, right? So <laughs> this I want to see the filings yes. when the general starts, because they can donate again yes. and see if they hit the max again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, 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 this was fun, Nick. That Harsh. was fun. Yeah. You um, want to know why it was fun? Because super guest is here. Yes, right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Although um, I have the most fun when I come here. Arsenals of oh, I don't want to hear that Donald, again. There's Donald Trump Yeah, I don't want to hear that again. Axios, they just keep running their clips over and over. So, yeah. Axios has been in the news a lot lately. Where did they come from? I don't, I don't they know. just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, is that Russian just bot. me? Russian yeah. bot. <laughs> it's all a front. Um, can you... Bill, can you do some yes. of the plugs? Yeah, let me just, uh, you know, uh, those of you that are listening and listenership has gone up the last few weeks, we're really excited about that. So if you're listening and you're enjoying the podcast, please share us with your friends. Tell your friends about us. The biggest thing, we're still a, a pretty young podca- podcast, is getting the word of mouth out there. So please do so. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Barstool Paul, P-O-L. Facebook at Barstool Politics. Uh, we're on we're all over the place, Nick. Oh, uh, uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes, iTunes. Stitcher, TuneIn. Yeah. Uh, What's the Google... Untapped? Untapped. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Untapped is um, uh, the beers that we try. We put them on there. You can send us beer suggestions, um, and we'll, we'll be more diligent about updating. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, yeah. What, what, um, Bill? Yeah. Our, our listenership was down just a little bit this week. I think it's because of the Olympics, and I just want to remind people that you can totally Stupid listen to our podcast while watching curling. <laughs> you yeah. know when the it's best time to listen is when you're combo. when you're delayed at an airport. That's right. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Listen. Does that happen? Curling <laughs> is hurting us this week. Yeah, curling. yeah. I got sucked into it too. Yeah, oh, it's so it's good. hard. Thanks, Suzanne. Thank you so much. I love being here. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.